The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Welcome to episode number 22 of the Paul Leslie Hour. It's a very special day. We have singer, songwriter, performing and recording artist, radio personality. She just had a show last night at the Variety Playhouse in Atlanta. And she was kind enough to make the trip up here. Elizabeth Cook, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, what is it like being on the road? Oh, gosh. I mean, well, there's a million aspects to it. The shows are great most of the time. Being with fans is great. Getting to play your songs for people is brutally uncomfortable. You're not at home. You end up eating a lot of food that you normally wouldn't eat. Get tired of the same clothes in your suitcase. You know, there's it's there's extremities to it. There's great, it's like greatness and then just extreme discomfort at the same time. Um, it's addictive. It's addictive. What's addictive about it? I think the just the adrenaline and the grind, and there's also an aspect of it where it's like you're che- kind of checked out from real life in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that when I'm on the road, it's not going to be day- a day that I get up and do, you know, four loads of laundry and go to the post office and deal with getting my tags renewed on vehicles and take the dog. To the- you know, there's like it breaks you out of the monotony of mundane life. And I think for a lot of people, it's it's just kind of a way to check out. Hmm. Yeah. You're okay. usually away from your family, your loved ones, your household. Um, it kind of can be a little bit of a checkout tool. Kind of an escape. Yeah. Well, you mentioned a second ago about fans. What's it like when somebody that you don't know, they know your name, they know what you look like, and they, they feel a connection to you? Yeah. And they just walk up, oh, my gosh. You're Elizabeth Cook. What is that like? It's it's real bizarre, of course. And the, I really get it um, because of the radio show in particular, I think, speaks to the instance you're talking about because people hear me talking. I don't really have anything to talk about. So I'm just talking about what I have for dinner and what's going on with the dog. And, you know, they really, really hear a lot of personal details. So they feel like they know me really well. And they do. Mm-hmm. But I don't know them from Adam. So it's a weird dynamic. So it's a weird dynamic to meet someone that knows you really well or feels like they know you really well and you don't know anything about them. Mm-hmm. So most of the time, you know, I mean, I love people. I love people. And I'm just interested in them, glad to meet them, kind of in shock, want to know, like, what are you doing when you listen to the radio? I'm kind of always surprised. <laughs> mm. So is that's cool. It's cool, though. Not just fans, just anybody, your colleagues, other singers, songwriters. What's the best compliment anyone's ever given you? Oh, God. Um, I got cut from being a, uh, from, this speaks to my vanity, but... I got cut from a role once in a in a show, an acting gig for being too young and good looking. <laughs> um, well, okay, all right. I'm gonna get a little bit more soulful about that, though. I hope I 
got invited to see Lou Reed at the Ryman. And I had been covering Sunday morning. And uh, after he got through playing, there was a queue of people that were to be brought back to meet Lou. And, and he got up. Uh, when By the time I got back to his dressing room backstage at the Ryman, he was in pajama pants eating a bowl of cereal on a couch with a lot of people around. And he stood up and he came over and he put his hands on my shoulders and looked me in the face and said, I believe you're coming from an honest place. Hmm. He didn't say, hey, how are you? Shake my hand. It was none of the new. It was straight to that. And um, I was so rattled by it and thought that, well, it's probably not going to go any better than that. So I should get out of here while I'm ahead. <laughs> and I thank Demon bolted out of the room. But that meant a lot to me coming hmm. from him. Just for him to tell me he believed I was coming from an honest place. And that's an intimidating guy, Lou Reed. Right. Scared to death. <laughs> Scared to death of him. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what he was going to say. Do you ever get intimidated around around people? All the time, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. Sure. Sure. Last night, Mike Mills was there, you know, and I did an R.E.M. song, Country Feedback, not knowing he was in the audience. Wow. I know. I could have died. He walked backstage and said, passed by me on his way to driving in crime's dressing room and said hey thanks for doing my song and i thought he meant like my song you know my favorite song <laughs> and and he was like no like his song literally and i was like oh my god we put it together luckily relatively quickly and he was very gracious but it was kind of mind-blowing what misconception is there about elizabeth cook I had this question just last week, and I don't know what the different misconceptions are about me. You know, I think that I, there's, I can sort of guess at the details about how people might describe me. You know, I don't know, badass, sassy, things that I hear people say, you know, and I don't think I'm that, hmm. you know, I'm like a pushover and I'm not sure. Sorry. I mean, do you know what, what are, what's a, what's a, some things that you might perceive would be a misconception <laughs> or things that are, are controversial? I know there's a lot of talk about my drug and alcohol use. Mm. Um, uh, so yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. What makes you happiest? Oh, there's a lot of things. Um, you know, I like relating to people and having a good time with people. I was just got to be with my family for the holiday. It's a big deal to me, especially after the family's blown up through divorces and death. And um, I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful when I get home to the Deep South, to Florida and Georgia. I always feel really good here. I love the terrain and nature. I love my people, my friends. Um Seeing them do well. I love my dog. I like making him happy. I like messing with my plants a lot. I have all kinds of plants I mess with. Stuff like that. Drugs, alcohol, good movie, <laughs> good band, good song. Driving in my car. All kinds of stuff. I find a lot of, I'm very fortunate. My father had a real zest for life in general. And we were poor. So, 
just, I think, really like normal things I learned I was trained to see joy in. Hmm. And uh, so I enjoy a lot of things. Well, speaking of your father, what do you think the biggest thing you learned from your parents is or was? Uh, probably resilience. They both had so many knocks and so many challenges and just kind of refused to be set back or to have their life ruined. They were not going to have their life ruined by being poor, by being sick, by all the bad things that that can happen. My mother was a single mom of five kids in West Virginia, abandoned, with no money, no help. Um, She was finally rescued by family in Florida. You know, my daddy came up sharecropping on a cotton plantation. Horrible, horrific things happened in his young life. He ended up in prison three times. Came out mad alcoholic, fought through that had been sober over 30 years by the time he died, stayed on a path of spiritual evolution to have like life fulfillment and happiness and love those around him in the face of all that. That's cool. Absolutely. Well, going back to, you mentioned this part of the country, which is the Florida, Georgia region. Mm -hmm. And if you want to talk about misconceptions, I think Florida is one of the states in the union that there are the most misconceptions about. There's a lot. There's a lot. When somebody says, I'm from Florida, and I, I heard you you talk about this on the Walking the Floor podcast, you know, Florida could mean anything. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on. Well, tell us about the region in Florida. What What is the, what is it like? Well, I mean, there's a, there's just a lot of different aspects to Florida because you have these beautiful beaches and sunshine. And so there's things that, uh, it's going to attract people there from everywhere. So there's a transient culture of people just passing through. You can go there and be anonymous. Mm. Then there's a culture of where people want to go to retire. Um, because it's the sun and it's not as expensive as California, but it's warm and sunny. There's people that go there to vacation. There's people that have ranch land there and horses and agriculture. I mean, before Disney World was Disney World, it was a 35,000-acre cattle ranch, the first one in the United States, like historical. And there's still an element of that, cowboy culture there. There's a lot to it. There's a lot going on in Florida. And uh, I love it. I, I came up in that cowboy rural part. Central Inland, uh, just north of Orlando, between Gainesville. Tom Petty is a master at speaking to it. I'm so grateful uh, for his <laughs> attempt to clarify a little bit. But, um, but yeah, Florida's special place. And been some great songwriters who's, who have come from Florida. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And just the legacy of the Allman Brothers and Leonard Skinner, Bobby Braddock. Yeah. Um, Really a big deal. Now we just lost Mel Tillis. So, yeah, it is. I know it. It's special. I love it. This is kind of a curveball. What do you think of Jimmy Buffett? <laughs> well, 
I like Jimmy's original message. And I think there's more to him than what gets like what has become his sort of homogenized commercial message, which is cheeseburger in paradise and, you know, flip flops and sort of just kind of a vanilla beach life every for every music for every man. If you dug into like Pirate Looks at 40 and uh, some some album cuts on the earlier records, I mean, I think there there's more to him. But just it just so happened that a certain aspect of what he had to say caught hold and meant something very simple to a broad group of people. So, you know, there's just, just blown up beach balls and parrots and, you know, it's kind of, and that's, it's an over, it's an oversimplification, I think, of his music, to be, to be fair. Who are the songwriters, past and present, that you admire? Oh, I like Tom T. Hall a lot. I like Ronnie Van Zant a lot. Um, I really love, um, uh, God, Dan Reeder, John Prine, of course. Uh, I love what Lucinda does at Towns Van Zandt. Um, Merle Haggard was a great songwriter. Well, he's such a singer and superstar. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings. I mean, it's just, it goes on and on. There's a lot of people that are really good at it. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. And a lot of the artists you mentioned, of course, are country musicians. Mm-hmm. What do you like about country music? Well, for I mean, it just, for me, it resonates. You know, I understand that language. I understand that sound. It's just like somebody speaking your language, you know. And so the songs, like I, I can really hear them and attach to them because I can relate to them. I can relate to everything about it. And as is, you know, it's what I grew up on. I came to discover like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones way late. When I moved out of my house in, in Florida, or my sister moved out rather, I was little. There was three cassette tapes she left in her closet. And it was the Almond Brothers and Credence Clearwater Revival and the Eagles. And those were my first, first time I ever heard music that wasn't country music. How many times have you played the Grand Old Opry? We lost count since Daddy died. He used to keep, he was my stats man. It's over 400 at this point. That's kind of all I know. He, we, I was into the 300s when he passed. and I don't play it as frequently as I used to because I tour too much. But, um, but I get out there, you know, every two or three months I do the Opry. <laughs> so it's great. When you play the Opry, is it a sacred thing? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The, the sacred part to me is like the, the private things that happen, the things backstage is, uh, everything that it's the relationships I've developed there over the years. And of course it's an institution. It's an honor to be part of that institution. People come there to see the tradition of the Grand Ole Opry show more than they come to see a specific artist. They're coming to see the Opry. Uh, so it's really cool to get to play a role in that show, which is how I look at it. So yeah, it's always special, but to get to be backstage and see the whites and Ricky Skaggs. And these are people that know my name and knew my parents. And, you know, those relationships, I just such a rich, rich, 
family uh, relationships that I have from doing the Opry so many times over the years. I just feel really lucky to have that. Not a lot of artists my generation have that. You have had this uh, friendship with David Letterman. Yeah. And he is someone who really, really admires your music. What is David Letterman really like? (laughs) The guy. You know, I think that he is... A lot of what you see is what you get. You know, he's a very down-to-earth, feet-on-the-ground. He's a One of the reasons that he was such a great interviewer is because he's a considerate person. He can think of things to ask that are meaningful because he can take himself out of himself. So, so many times people in show business are so devoured by their own ego that they don't have that skill. And I did, I've done interviews like that, like on national TV and I won't name names, but it was like, wow, you're just waiting for me to like say something to set you up for a punchline basically. And that's not, David is much more considerate and than that and just interested in other people besides himself. I think he beats himself up a lot more than people know and is uh, hard on himself. Mm-hmm. He's got a new show coming out on Netflix. I cannot get a straight answer out of him about what it's even about. Every time I bring it up, it's, you know, some elusive comment, changing the subject, kind of brushing it off, you know. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'll find out when it comes on. Well, you know, Dave, it's kind of, it might be kind of surprising to some people that he likes country and Americana music. But I think that in the last episodes of his show, with the last performances he had, he sh- he kind of showed what he liked, with, yeah. you know, like some soulful kind of music. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, I did a special for Sirius XM where uh, really it all came down like this. He didn't like the time slot I was in <laughs> because he was asleep at that hour. So my boss was kidding around and said, well, tell him if he'll do your show, I'll move you <laughs> to later day. And I was kidding around with him and told him that. And he was like, well, okay, let's do it. And I was like, you don't want to do that. You know, you're like a massive tabloid star at this point. Like people will run with this and it'll be stupid. And he's like, no, let's do it. Let's do it. He, but he knew what he wanted it to be. He wanted it to be, we didn't just play record, his favorite records. We played performances from the late show of his favorite performances over the years. He wanted Paul to come and he wanted to discuss those performances. Hmm. So it was almost like we did a special on archiving. It could have been a television special, you know, with just back to back music, like the best musical performances of Saturday night live. It was like the best musical performances or the most special ones to Dave. It was so great. He cares a lot. He cares a lot. Well, not just musicians, not just famous people. Who do you admire? Uh, I admire my friends, fellow artists that I see like trying to do their art and do the right thing and get out here and trudge this out. The the business people that help us do it, the good ones, and there are. Yeah, you know, I, I love people that just try and do shit, you know, with an earnest heart. We're all on this rock spinning around together till we die. We got to fill our time with something. And I like people that have a good work ethic and make goals and 
and try to accomplish them, big or small, regardless of what it is. Um, Just being with my family, my niece, who's actually only nine months younger than me, we room together at Georgia Southern, watching her and how she has grown her family, and now her oldest is starting college, and the work the work that they've put in and what they've come from and what they have now and uh, the importance of the family and the fun they still have. And it's just, I admire that a lot. Well, on the other side, on the music side, you've had the chance to perform with and record with a lot of really, really great talent. Like, I think one of my favorite, more popular country singers would be Dwight Yoakam. yeah. So t- tell me about about some of the people that you've you've worked with that was were the most thrilling for you. Oh gosh, um, for sure, Dwight, Rodney Crowell, Nancy Griffith, Patty Loveless sang on my last record, Exodus of Venus, and we weren't in the studio together. You know, with the technology now, you can just like send a track, and you know, she's in her home in North Georgia. She has a studio there. So she's able to just do the track with Emery pushing the buttons and gosh, that was wild hearing her voice. Like when they emailed the track back to us and we pulled it up on the speakers, like hearing her voice with mine it was insane. I, I mean, I'm forgetting Charlie Leuven. I had crazy out of body experiences with Charlie Leuven. I got to sit down and try and write a book before I forget everything. But my path has been so, like, sprinkled with fairy dust. I don't completely understand, to be honest, for the level of of fame and success I have, which I feel like is modest, the experiences that I have got to have is, like, sprinkled with fairy dust. It's crazy. It's really, really cool. It's so fun. Do you think it's possible you're a magnetic person? <laughs> I don't know. Rodney Crow calls me Electric Elizabeth. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I have felt at times like my experience has gotten so intense that I felt like that guy in the movie Powder. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah. Where he's like, they had to put lightning rods and stuff on top of the house and he had to hide out in the basement because he attracts lightning. Just being scared and overstimulated of what's going to happen next. Well, what about on the other side of that? Who would you like to work with, either writing or recording, whatever, that you haven't yet? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I mean, I'd like to do it more with some of the people I've already been doing it with because you get better at it. You know, every time you start out on a new, and you don't know what the actual ins and outs of the working relationship is going to be like. Beyonce? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and so out of reach, I'm sure, but just thinking about like people that I think are really great at what they do. I like the Dixie Chicks a lot. I think Natalie Maines is brilliant. She's kind of a brilliant asshole. <laughs> Love her. Love it. Yeah, I like a lot of rappers. I like a lot of hip hop music. Kendrick Lamar could do something with him. (laughs) When you're writing songs, what is it that inspires you? Yeah, I wish I knew. It's like most of the time, 
my relationship with language is such that when a certain either thought comes through my head or something that I say or something I hear someone else say kind of shoots like a bullet around the room. It'll just be a phrase or sometimes even just a word. Um, those are points of inspiration that then can just open up a whole, can open up a whole song. It's usually like that. Is it therapeutic to yeah, write? Yeah, for sure. You get to really just go through an exercise with something that you're thinking and feeling. You know, if something kind of jars you, jolts you, there's a reason. You know, you're being triggered or whatever they would say in psychotherapy. And, um, you know, there's something to explore there. And I think when you get to write a song and sort of flush that out, there's a, there's like naturally a processing that happens. And then to sing it over and over again. And I usually don't know, you know, it's, it's years later before I even got like a song that I have called Heroin Addict Sister that it even took years for me to even fully wrap my head around what my feelings really were about that story. And I had to, and I found it by mining through the language that I used to write it. And I was like, oh, you know. And at first she was really upset about it. And then she came and now she considers it a love song. How important is honesty? I mean, it's all we have. (laughs) It's all we have. And I hate... I hate things that aren't earnest and, and I've realized that people do that and are, and are dishonest to protect themselves from something. But, um, it's such a drag. What's something you no longer care about? <laughs> uh, I'm thinking drinking tap water. I used to wouldn't do it. Now I'm 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 trying to get back with it. A little less like I, there was a time when, and I think it was because my immune system was in a tenuous situation, and I was extremely protective about what I would put in my body. What is the best thing about being Elizabeth Cook? Well, I, you know, I think it's like the blessing and the curse part. It's like whatever it is that's happening to make me have what I feel is like a unique life experience. It's cool. Get to have a lot of cool people around me, people close to me that I can love and trust, and um, and then we get to do all kinds of crazy shit (laughs) all the time. It's just an adventure. It's the adventure I get to be on. Well, for anyone who's listening to this interview, however they might hear it. Very open-ended. What would you say to anyone? Well, do what now? I like to open-ended. What would I say to anyone? Yeah, to anyone who's who's tuned in. Oh, I don't really have any advice. You know, I think in a, maybe this, maybe like in a time where people are particularly polarized, and there's a lot of you know hot button topics and. I especially feel it when I come home back to the deep south. Find things you love and focus on that. Focus on that part. More energy there. Um, 
it's it, you know it's weird it's like being down in the south i don't think that racism is definitely at at the root of it but i, I have people that i don't think that that they think they're necessarily better or superior in race to another race but they're all mad at each other there's just anger anger I sense that more than I do anything what do you think people can do just as a single person about things like that well it's hard to make big some people have the vision a vision how to make big broad you know strokes most people don't and when you don't know what to do i think you just you look close around you and you you love and take care and be as good to as you can to the people around you if you know somebody that's if you know an old person that's a neighbor that doesn't have any family buy a box of cookies at the grocery store and put them on their step just little stupid stuff like that you know can go so far and I think it comes back to you too. Um, there's a lot of people that I don't get to take care of as, as well as I would like. But uh, any opportunity to kind of do little things that I feel like might make somebody feel better, I like to try and do. And I think we can do that for each other. And I think if more people do that, there is then a broader thing that happens, hopefully, just from that kind of that energy going on. My last question. Who is Elizabeth Cook? Oh, God. How do you define? Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh, man. I am a 5'7", probably weighing in at about 128 pounds these days. You know, blonde, green-eyed Florida girl. From parents that were older than me, you know, older than most folks' parents. And uh, having a crazy life experience partying balls making music making love making hay it's great (laughs) (laughs) well elizabeth cook thanks so much for spending time with us thank you thanks for having me my pleasure if anyone wants more information it's elizabeth-cook.com yep elizabeth-cook.com and if you haven't subscribed to the podcast it's free to do so We're everywhere, and consider rating and reviewing. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Until next time. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment. For information, visit thepaulleslie.com. Thank you for being with us. Until next time.